The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. It wasn't a foul, absolutely not. But no, I'm glad to see the goalkeeper is getting the benefit of the doubt. You <laughs> always get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Welcome along to episode 9 of season 2 of the Hurling Pod. It is with Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship and the Legends Tour Series at Croke Park. We've got a league final to look forward to. That's a repeat of the All-Ireland final from last year. It's going to be in Porky Cueve. First time in over 40 years that Cork has hosted the final on Easter Sunday. It's a 2pm start for Limerick against Kilkenny. Kilkenny looking to win a record 20th title and the first since they were the joint champions in 2021 when we didn't have a final. Limerick are going for their 14th and it's a chance for them to go and win the league for the first time since they went back-to-back in 2019 and 2020. Glad to say, Paul Murphy, James Skell here with me. How are you getting on, lads? How's it going, boys? Very good. How are you, lads? Murph, let's kick it off with Porky Cueve as a venue because Liam Sheedy pretty quickly afterwards said, quote, appreciate there's a football game in Thurles on Sunday, but surely Semple Stadium on Saturday night would have been a better option for both counties. I sense the venue would also have attracted more neutrals and added to the atmosphere. As I mentioned at the outset there, it's been 42 years since Porky Cueve had a league final. Semple Stadium would seem the very obvious place to have it, but because of that football game on the Sunday, I'm sure there was probably some TV considerations around having it on Sunday afternoon as well. What do you think about Porky Cueve as a venue for Limerick and Kilkenny? Yeah, I was surprised to hear it. Um, it, it like you're not going to get as much a crowd as if you had it in Turles, or even if I think you just flipped a coin in Gaelic grounds or Nolan Park. Um, you know, it's the equivalent really of Cork and Limerick playing each other in Nolan Park. I mean, it's 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 the same difference in my books. It's not convenient, maybe for the Limerick crowd. For certain parts of Limerick, it might be, but I just think Turles is. And more convenient for I know a lot of people say you're looking at it from Kilkenny tinted glasses, but I am looking for looking at it through Kilkenny tinted glasses. Um, but yeah, I think it's made for it. I know the football is on, but I certainly think you could make a bit of room there to slot the league final for hurling into Thurles, or at least as I was saying, as a second option. I don't think either county would would give out if you flipped a coin and played it in either of their own uh, county grounds. Scale, you were praising Porky Cueve a few weeks ago when you were down there with the Galway Miners. It's a fantastic venue. It's perhaps a little bit underused. Can you see the GA's logic in going to Porky Cueve for this one? I, I can, and I, I'd imagine um, even Cork themselves were trying to get, get showcased even more. Uh, it's a fabulous stadium. It's definitely, like, in terms of uh, a modern facility, it's, it's second there to Crow Park. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And, like, look, Limerick won't say much too much about it. It's only an hour down the road for them, or a bit less, 100k, Kilkenny a bit further away. Um, but it's a fabulous what they've done with the pitch in recent uh, months you remember there was a bit of controversy there a couple of years ago when it first opened about the pitch that, that's just been eradicated now so the surface is fabulous big stadium lovely pitch you know in terms of the crowd I'd imagine there'll be car people attending also and good droves of people travelling so I, I, I couldn't imagine they'll be getting 40,000 wherever they go but they certainly they should be getting 15 to 20 right for league final I think so should yeah. yeah. sure, it was what twenty thousand in watching the first round? I know that was Cork, Cork against Limerick, yeah. and maybe there was the excitement of the start of the year. But you would hope that a combination of the two counties and neutrals going in, you'd clear twenty thousand scale, surely. Yeah, I think I think on current form as well. I have as much as I flipping hate to say it. It's it's teams one and two ranked in the country at the moment, so it's going to be the first, I suppose, showdown between them. Hopefully, the last as well. <laughs> hopefully, the last because we know we know where Limerick are going. Um, but look, I think it's going to be a great game in a great stadium. So look, I've no complaints. 
Mm. Just goes to show my power rankings were solid when we had them yeah. one and two and didn't change since the start of the year. Mm. Um, it is interesting, though, the psychology for Kilkenny. And you're a Kilkenny man who can give us a bit on the psychology because I was reading John Milan's column during the week and he was saying this is a great opportunity for Kilkenny to land a little bit of a psychological blow. So he was saying if Kilkenny were to go out here, show that maybe Limerick are vulnerable by getting a win in a meaningful fixture in a league final, it might actually open up hope, not just for Kilkenny later in the year, but maybe for those teams who are about to face them in Munster in a few weeks' time as well. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, it would it would be a big psychological blow. I think particularly for Kilkenny, you know, it would give other teams maybe a small bit of hope coming into, particularly, like you said, the Munster teams. Um, but maybe to see that small bit of vulnerability in Limerick, I don't, to be honest myself, uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen in the league final just yet. Um, and that's not to be playing down Kilkenny or anything, but it's just, you know, some weeks we've been sitting here and we've been talking about a few areas that Kilkenny will want to improve in, you know, two of the games at least anyway, you know, their ball handling, they would certainly like to improve and they know that they're not the finished article yet to have a crack at Limerick. Um, but what I do think the real positive that will come from this is, you know, Kilkenny has tried a lot of players uh, during the league and a lot of players haven't played, well, a good few players, particularly the likes of Drennan, that haven't played against Limerick, you know, and it's a completely different beast to do it. So to expose, you know, any of the newer players to, you know, the, the runaway train that is Limerick, it'll be important for them. And also playing in a league final, a bit of pressure, a bit of practice as well for building up to a big game. There's lots of positives that Kilkenny can take from this. I don't even believe, though, to be honest, that if Kilkenny do go and beat Limerick here in the league final, that you know Limerick will have any doubt if they meet Kilkenny again. I still think Limerick just really believe in their abilities at the moment, um, and I don't think that you know by the time Kilkenny would meet Limerick again, that Limerick would be really worried, even even if Kilkenny go and beat them in the league final. So look, at the moment, it's, I just think it's a great opportunity for Kilkenny to go and test the team they have. Like you could probably pick the Limerick starting 15 at the moment, but it's quite hard to pick the Kilkenny 15. So a lot will probably decide who's going to be the starting 15 in Derek Ling's um, most important matches in Leinster. Um, you know, we will see, I think, a wide variety of players, but I think the likes of this match, you'll see a fairly close to what Derek Ling thinks is his starting 15. That with the terms and conditions of if Lazar carrying a few injuries, he's still not going to chance them. So it'll be interesting. And I do think it's going to be a great match because really there's not a huge amount of pressure on Kilkenny coming into this. I think Limerick will play a strong team. And if Limerick line out with a strong team, they'll expect to beat Kilkenny probably by six or seven points. That's what a lot of neutrals will expect. So Kilkenny can learn a lot from this and bring a lot into the round robin from it. Skell, you hear him talking Kilkenny down already. Anthony Nash, on his piece and off the ball last Friday, was saying this is going to be remarkably close. He thinks Kilkenny can challenge Limerick in the same way they did in the All-Ireland final. And you have Paul Murphy there saying, you know, six or seven points. You reckon he's trying to ease the pressure off them here? Well, for, I have a question for Murphy before I get him to my answer. Go on. Is, is TJ Cordy or Mullen going to play? In your opinion? I, I don't think TJ will play. No, I don't think there's any point in playing him now at this stage. Um, I Cody, Cody will surely play <clears throat> I'd say Cody will play I don't think Adrian will play either I mean if you look at Ballahale didn't play Adrian in the All-Ireland final and you know he had he, I'm not say serious well, he had a serious enough injury in that it was a you know, grade 2 hamstring wasn't it yeah it was so I think to be honest you know they've played without him up until now they've tested a lot of players I think you know knowing for a lot of players this is going to be their final opportunity potentially to get their name on a 
on a sheet for starting the round robin knowing yeah. Adrian Mullen likes to come back I don't think you risk him in such an intense match like this now he might play him he might you know say Adrian you're going on here and I don't care what happens you're coming off at half time but I don't see the point in doing that either so I think they'll want him knowing like again because we see how, how busy the round robin is if you have you want an injury to be 100% right because otherwise it'll start to creep back in halfway through the round robin series if you're playing the whole time and Adrian Mullen will be playing the whole time for Kilkenny. yeah sure it's two weeks it's two weeks after the league final yeah so I don't think he will I don't like you know if Kilkenny go out and they lose this match it's not like, it's not like you're going to kill their confidence so yeah. you don't need to go out and play you know your TJs your Adrians and that they just need to go out and play the best team that is you know I suppose fit and available to them at the time and you know any lad who I don't think any player will have any doubt going out in the pitch, you know, because they've tested, like I said, they've tested a lot of players here. So there's no player going out a bit rusty here. They've had good quality tests over the league. So there's no need to go out and try Adrian Mullen if there's any doubt in his injury. Yeah, Would well, you know well, we get a few minutes into TJ though, Paul, given that right, Mullen's a different situation where he's coming back off a muscle injury and you don't want to take any kind of risk. I, I'm with you. I think going Cody plays if he's fit he comes in, he's your captain for the year, he's definitely going to play. But would you not want to get some minutes into TJ's leg before championship? Yeah, potentially no. he could. Um, yeah, I don't. It's it. I don't think so because, like, you know, you're you're going to be playing West Mees. You're going to have chance to you know in, introduce TJ into the game and build up into it. Like again, yeah, maybe he hasn't been hurling, um, but there's an opportunity there where you know you can build TJ back into this team. And again, look, I know he's not like he's in incredible condition, but he's not a machine either, and he's had a long year, and he himself has had his own groin injury, so. I don't see the need to throw him in in the Limerick match. And again, if you're playing him in the Limerick match, you're not playing him for 70 minutes. You're playing him for 30, 35 minutes. So I think the intensity of training and then they have enough time to step into the round robin to build TJ up into the round robin. So I don't see the need in the league final to play him. Yeah, and there's no point racing him. I'm no. saying it's like in, in, in racehorse in terms. There's no point putting him out to say. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a thoroughbred, right? And he just needs to be getting you know getting I suppose a few minutes into legs against Limerick he'd be he'd be perfectly fine you know playing in, in the round <clears> robin and, get, and getting his I suppose getting his legs right yeah. there and, and, and moving towards the, the latter end of the championships um, but look at it's the beauty of sport to go back to your question Will right I know I I, I diverted there for a moment but um, beauty of sport so Angie, Nash, Angie Nash has one opinion thinking it's remarkably close and I am the, the polar opposite yeah, I won't say the completely opposite, but like I think that if Limerick pull out a strong team, which which you know they've got they've got a very strong panel, so whatever team they pull out is going to be strong. And I just think Kilkenny are a bit, you know, they're I think they're that Kilkenny team that they're putting on at the minute is probably a year or two away from their absolute peak. I think they can be very good. I, I think in a year, eighteen months, they can be top top drawer. But just where <clears throat> where each team is at now in in their, I suppose they call it their lifespan, whatever you want to call it. You know, Limerick are at the absolute peak of their powers. And I just think if if the weather is good, that the pitch is going to be good, obviously. And Limerick are so used to, to it's like muscle memory for them at the moment playing in games of this magnitude. And I think it's going to be Limerick by honestly seven or eight. Yeah. Do you reckon Limerick want to go out and pick up a win like that as well, Skell? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think I think they've got the old you know Manchester United attitude back in the in the early two thousands, whereby if they get ahead of you, they just want to keep pile driving you and pile driving you. And like we, I know someone mentioned about the psychological aspect of it. But can reverse that. So if if Limerick go ahead and let's say potentially beat Kilkenny by 12, 13 points, like what what would that do? I know Kilkenny people are different. <laughs> mm. I've said that numerous times on the podcast. You know that they mightn't think as as much into it as, as other counties. Let's say, but if you beat, like if if they come away with a ten point beating, you know that's that has to stick in your mind somehow. Somehow, 
Like, uh, do, do you agree, disagree? Like, if you bring back in one or two or three players to your team, are they going to make up 10 points? And like, Limerick are awesome. Like, they're, they're actually, they're, they're, they're probably two gears ahead of where they were in the Ireland final last year. Would you agree? At the minute right now, they're two gears ahead in my view. Yeah, definitely from where they were last year. Well, see, it's Keane Lynch coming back in. I just think he's sewing it all together so well. Like, you know, yeah. I, I just think he gets so much out of the lads around him that... Yeah, I think they are. Like, I mean, they're light years ahead where they were, to be honest, this time this last, last year. year. Like, I, yeah. I, made, I, made a statement. I made a statement after the bet, um, after the bet Cork and the Iron Final in 21. I said that if you take out Peter Casey and Seamus Flanagan and put in two other lads, they'll get on just as well because the, the Limerick system is so effective. And like, that was proven to a degree last year when you take out the Hurler of the Year and Key Lynch. Now he's come back and he's, he's come back in, in fine form and now the system is just, it just seems unbeatable. And like, look what they did to Tipperary with five All-Stars on the bench. Mm. You know, there's no other county there's, there's no other county that can rest quality like the likes of Hayes and Flanagan and Hegarty Jesus like you know it's ridiculous I'm sick saying it every week it's <laughs> the god of how good they are but look they, 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 and they deserve all the plaudits we give them that's why when you piece it all together and you, you kind of break it down what can Kilkenny throw at Limerick and what can Limerick throw at Kilkenny it's just it's, it's far outweighing towards, towards Limerick I think you have to be honest about it though as well, Skell, because you remember this time last year we would have been rolling into a few podcasts in and people would have said, you know, just Limerick did nothing in the league really. Um, they played okay against Clare, they beat Offaly in the last round, then they had their bit of a break and there were definitely a few questions going into that game against Cork. Mm-hmm. Even taking into account that Cork had taken a bit of a pasting from Waterford, Cork had shown much more than Limerick at that point of the year and Limerick just rocked into gear in the first round of the Munster Championship and never looked back after that. Blitz. Yeah, like just blitz everybody pretty much. Yeah, cause Except we, for we, the Munster final. We were here questioning, I, I personally was questioning their squad depth when, when Peter Casey was, was down, obviously, from the final year previous, and then Key Lynch got injured, and we were saying, geez, Les, there are one or two injuries away here from, you know, from being, I suppose, like having a skeleton squad. Mm. Look what they did. I, I don't even think they were operating 100% last year, truthfully. I, I honestly believe that when they played Galway in the semi-final, I saw them in person, they were operating it around the 80 mark. And like for Galway to get within a, a, a one-score game of them, they were operating at 95 mark. That's just that, that. That's a good from quality that you can't match at the moment. So does that mean, Scal, that if we say we get like a Clare Munster performance from last year again at some point this year, or even Kilkenny, you push them quite close at stages within the All Ireland final, that this Limerick team can actually bring their level up a bit more? Yes. Yeah. Like if you ask me, when, when was the Limerick ceiling reached? I don't think they've reached it yet. Honestly, I, I will probably everyone I think nationally would probably look at the Tipperary Munster Munster game below in Parky Queen a couple of years ago. Yeah, when they were down by a, a lot, I don't have the score at hand, and they came back and they said, "Right, Limerick have reached their peak." No, like when they, in the final against Waterford, they were awesome. The final against Cork, they were awesome. Continuing last year, they did what they had to do, but I just I still think they're heading up the way. And we discussed their their median age last last week, and it's not it's by no means 31, 32. You know, it's twenty eight. So like the, the legs in this team are still relatively fresh and I think they're going, I honestly think they're looking at Kikini doing the four in a row and just fell shy of the five and say, right, we're heading for that definitely. Yeah. That's where we think their sights in fairness. No, it is. I, I think that Munster final, from memory, I think there were 12 points down at one stage. Might have been 11 at half time, but it was, it was double digits anyway. And we remember last week that they're up 69 across the last 11 games in the second half against Tipperary, which is just absolutely remarkable stuff. And, you know, we see that pattern, Paul. We see the way that they tend to come up to the occasion. But do you take some heart, even if the personnel are a little bit different from the way that Kilkenny took them on in the All-Ireland final last year? Because remember, Kilkenny and mm. Limerick have played each other not that many times in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, you know, that was it was a great performance. Like you don't, it's it's strange coming away from an All Ireland final and saying, you know, you see, you can make peace with it because 
Limerick were just a better team, but you were so proud to see how Kilkenny went at them and played. And that's the thing that, you know, I, I'm able to sit here and say in the league final, that just at the moment, just reason and logic, my head over my heart, I just see that where Kilkenny are at and where Limerick are at, that Limerick have just that too much for them. But I know that when Kilkenny, you know, under Derek Ling, and like, they need a few months just to get exactly what they want to do into the, into full motion. That, you can't just do that overnight. And then have their strongest 15, you know, everything, all bets off. You know, there's no such thing as wrestling players now. You're going at Limerick later in the championship. I know that those Kilkenny players, regardless of what's being said outside the dressing room, will believe that they can go and beat Limerick, regardless if we sit here and the neutral sits there and picks apart man for man on the team, can they go toe-to-toe with Limerick? And we and let's say all the pundits say no, and everybody outside says no, that Kilkenny team will still believe they can go and do it. And that that belief and that ignorance in some way is what teams are going to need to go and actually undo this Limerick team. And like... Uh, like the sport is the, the thing with sport is that you just don't know what's going to happen in that I think a lot of people look at when we played Limerick back in 2019 and say oh, only for we bet them then that they would have done five in a row now I don't think they would have because there was a naivety in that Limerick team that day they had all the skill all the strength all power, but they just had an experience being caught on the hop that was all it was and they got caught in the hop now if they went and won the All-Ireland that year they probably would have been caught in the hop the following year because you have this confidence, your feet start to come off the ground a small bit and suddenly this team comes along and takes the wind out of your sails. The reason so I you're saying are- that you poke the bear and you've created this monster essentially. No, I think I think it was just a he case of... The he slapped him across the hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's been running since. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, look what we've done now. But definitely, I, it is. like I mean, so many of the, the things you have to learn at this level, some are tactical, some are skill, you know, some are mental skills. And one of those was a mental skill. Like, they arrived at it. And I always go back to the, the, the quote Tommy said after we played Galway in 2012 in the Leinster final. We, we came to play a game. They came to win a game. It was just a different attitude. And when you're, if, you're, if you're going to try and achieve a five in a row, which Limerick are very capable of doing, they need to have experienced the full realm of everything they can possibly experience to go and take that on. And one of those things is every day you go out, you treat your opposition with full respect and contempt as well that, you know, these lads could come and beat us. So let's be absolutely incredible. And they are at that stage now. And I'd agree with Skelton and, and uh, who was it said during the week that they don't think this, this team has peaked yet. I still don't think this Limerick team has peaked. I still think they're capable of more and they're going to show us more. But you can never say never with sport that a team just come along and just catch you. And that could be the danger. And again, you never know. Like, I mean, touch wood, we want to see Limerick playing with all their best players. But injuries could catch them. You never know in a Munster Championship. Yeah. They could pick up one or two injuries of really influential players. Like, what happens if Declan Hannan goes? Like, I mean, I know lads will look at your, your key and inches and all this, but what happens when the well, person that keeps the ship on the like, keep, keeps you know, everyone together? Go on. I'll tell you who, steer, who steers the ship, not to cut across you. I know well, it's, a, it's Nicky Quaid. Like if you ever look at Limerick, right? In fairness, listen to me now. If you ever if you ever look at Limerick, <laughs> and, I'm trying to make a statement now. And, and they play league games, and yeah. some goalie goes in. They're not the same. They're just not the same. But there you are, Scale, and that's they, exactly they build, they build so much off him. And I know we look yeah. at Lynch and Hayes and Hegarty. It's proven now that they don't miss a beat without, without Phyllis. But if yeah. he goes down or he's missing, but there you are, and, and and maybe like you know, I might have said Hannon there, but maybe Nicky Quaid is the one. And let's say, for example, you know someone like Nicky Quaid for some reason can't play one or two matches and also then you know your key lynches and obviously touch wood and all that that these players don't yeah, get injuries yeah. but now suddenly teams start smelling blood and does you know the, the, this team has a huge amount of confidence but look the, you don't know what you don't know and until these things potentially happen 
there could be anything and, and in two years time we could be sitting here going only for they were so unfortunate with injuries or only for X, Y and Z just saying that there's so many there's so many variables there that could happen yeah. that you know but I do believe bringing it back to the point I do believe that in 2019 let's say not take you know not take, that they were taking credit for that but if you do look back at lots of things that Limerick did that day they don't do it anymore because I think they just kind of said to themselves like that was a big learning curve for them and a bit of growth that What do you they, think they've changed since 2019 then? It's just uh, since 2019 like if you look at when they dropped their head for times in the first half there when they couldn't figure out we were after kind of making them a small bit punch drunk really they just weren't expecting it now they, they recuperated when they were in the half time and they came out really strong but the game was probably just about won at that stage they don't do that anymore like as in they don't drop the heads at any stage anymore they just keep going and going and all across the pitch they fight but you can look to examples where like and we could even hear it on the pitch where maybe lads were just getting on to each other and giving out. I don't see them doing that anymore. And like they're young players. We all did it when we were young. We all kind of had to learn this trait of not losing the head, keeping the head up. You know, okay, you hit a wide or you don't raise a ball. Yeah, you move on to the next ball. I think they've improved that massively. And it's just this kind of resilience they have now that, you know, they're not that raw kind of green team that they were maybe back then who were just, you know, in the early stages of winning. They they have come through a lot of challenges since then. And that, I think, has galvanised. Like, I mean, the skill is abundant. The, the fitness is abundant. But you look at last weekend, they went in at halftime, came out two, two wides, let's say. One was dropped short, which Peter Casey yeah. scored. And one did it drop into the keeper's hands. And, like, remarkable second half. That's the kind of mental strength they have now that maybe they didn't have in 2019. So those are just a few things for me that, like... Is it's where they are now at the moment, but yeah. I always believe that there's you can you can always get caught in sport. You Murphy, can always be caught. When did you make your debut for Kilkenny? Random question. Now I'm, get, I'm getting there. Okay, just give me a chance. <laughs> right, <laughs> Cook, go on. Now, when, when, when did you make your debut? Championship or just proper early Ch- debut? Championship debut. Uh, Wexford, Wexford Park, 2011. 11. So <clears throat> Kilkenny went. He went. You uh, went 21 games unbeaten from 06 to 10 in Championship. So you you came to you after, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Limerick are currently on 16 from 20, 21, 22, three years. So if they win their Ireland this year, they'll surpass the championship record from beating games, am I right? They're only in 16? Yeah. Oh, right? was, there was no There was no round robin in, in 2021. <clears throat> okay. So... 16. I'll, tr- I'll trust your maths here now. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't doubt you. Her. There's going to be a listener here that's going to correct me, but I'm pretty confident. This is the stupid stat I do in my spare time. Just you sound about right, go on. Yeah, so like, if they win their Ireland this year, so I'm just, I'm just saying like, in, in terms of where they're heading, I'd say that's well within their sights. To surpass that and, and, yeah. and hit, hit, head for the five in the row if they can. Yeah. So, random, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> it might be, might be higher than 16, is it? I'd say it has to be higher than 16, doesn't it? Well, With the round robin. Are you including round robin? Yeah, 2021, 22. Yeah, because COVID year was a much shortened year. Remember that? Yeah. 2020. Hmm. I might have to stat check this, but let's say they're on course yeah. to go for the 21, right? Let's, let's just take that as a possibility. In a few weeks' time, they go 21 or past it. Yeah, the clear dog monster. Would it be more impressive scale for them to do that than Kilkenny of the late 2000s, given that they've had to play the Munster Championship round robin a few times in that run as well? I'm going to have to say it is, yeah. I, I think, I just think there's... Remember now, that was Kilkenny over five seasons where they came through. <clears throat> Again, I, I'm probably 
could not be noticed by my face here. They came through a relatively simplistic Leinster Championship at, at the time. That position mm. wasn't there, you know, truthfully speaking, mm. as, as uh, in comparison to where it is now. Whereas in, in Munster, there's competition every year. You know, in fairness, in fairness, like yeah. I, I think if you look at Munster every year, you could say potentially there's three, if not four, major All-Ireland contenders. Whereas in Leinster, yeah. you'd probably say there's two and, at, and on a good year, possibly three. And you know, before so I get banned from Kilkenny, Skell, I'm going to point out there that that Kilkenny team had to deal with really good tip sides and Cork teams and they won some very comprehensive All-Ireland finals. So not for a moment am I playing down their achievement. But I'm just saying over the course of the stamina of championship that Limerick have had to deal with in recent years, yeah. there's something incredibly impressive about that. Yeah, it's very... Again, look, at, I'm just saying, first of all, we had a COVID year in 2020. So, so that was a compressed season, if you like. And then the amount of matches they play in a season is, is more than what... what the Kikinis would have played in the past. If you remember, Kikini would have got into the straight to Leinster semi-final because they won it every year. Mm. Leinster final, then onto a semi-final and final. So they played probably, realistically speaking, four, max five games a year. Whereas Limerick are, are playing that in Munster. Uh, if they get to the Munster final, they're playing six. Am I right? So that's just out of Munster. Mm. You know, so they're playing eight at a minimum. So like, it's, it's fair going. That's, Jesus. Do you know, Paul, the one thing he didn't say, and I was sure this is what was going to come up next, well, is he was going to say it wasn't until Galway got into Leinster that Kilkenny actually got a challenge. <laughs> well, we got in in 2009, okay, mm-hmm. and Kilkenny whipped us in the Leinster semi-final until the more. <laughs> so I didn't say that too loudly. <laughs> Galway started well in that game, though. Galway actually, I remember the Canning get a goal. Canning got a goal, and he did this weird thing like he was washing he his face. Jo- John, yeah. Cena, John Cena, I remember that. Yeah. John Cena, sorry, thought he was washing <clears> his face. Were you, on, uh, were you on the panel then? Yeah. Was that the time you all had stuff written on your wrists and stuff like? No. Remember there was a period that there was a good few Galway lads had stuff written on their... No, I started... When I started or written on the back of their hand and that. Worked like I, dogs. Oh, Murph, sort of crack. I, come here. There's a lot of people locally <laughs> want me to write a book because I started in 07, right? Right. <laughs> in the Jerlock years, 07 and 08. <laughs> My God, I'll tell you, I'd have to... I'd be on chapter 20 before I get to 2009. <laughs> <laughs> With all the stories I'd have about 07 and 08. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on yeah. there, Skell. Tease out Murphy's point there for a second, though. What was the writing on the wrist tape and the hand all about? Um, I remember vaguely that there was, like, I think Canning, when he did that, he had something written on his hand. But I do remember there was, now it was a very short period of Galway, a few players just having things written on, like, wristbands on their hand or on their yeah. hurl or on the back of their hand or something. It was like a reminder during the game. That we you're looking, like, I think in, in different years, so when you have one, right, you're looking for an angle, you're looking for a different yeah. way of doing things. And I'd say well, we, we've had our fair share of sports psychologists, let's say, every team has anyway. Mm. And they all come in with something different. And this is probably, off memory, something that a sports psychologist came in and said, this will fix you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and signs are shown, fucking didn't fix us. <laughs> so, 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 no, move on. <laughs> I, I'm assuming Canning was a big WWE fan then if he was doing the scene of celebration. You just say... I don't remember him. I, I don't remember that. I remember He's a big golf fan for sure. No, I could be wrong, but I'm fairly I sure. It was definitely, it was definitely was, John Cena. You, you can't see me. Remember that was a big thing. Truthfully, I don't know the backstory. Say, I know there's only one man to ask now. You may text Canning and just ask him what was it about. It was something anyway. It had to be something. I'm texting now, but he's, he, won't, he, won't, he won't text him back to Tuesday. No, no, go on, go on, send, send him a text. Yeah, send this, text. Might, this might actually be pod history that he might welcome back to you. He's probably waiting around seeing for the Sunday game because we're recording on Sunday this week. So let's see what Canning comes back with. Just find out if he was a big Cena fan. It is WrestleMania weekend, so why not find out? <laughs> We're branching out into every sport here now. Right, he's he's going to send the text to his yeah. uh, fellow Galway minor mentor in uh, Joe Canning. Murph, how do you see it going? I mean, he's said they're going. You're going to get blown out. Kilkenny going to be beaten by six or seven points. How do you actually see it going next Sunday afternoon? Um, 
Look, I think I think in the early stages, even up to half time, uh, I think we're going to see a savage performance from <coughs> Kenny again. Kenny will value the challenge they're going to get from from playing against a really good Limerick team. I don't see them like in in Hurling, six points isn't a huge hammering. Like I mean, it's a beating, all right, yeah, but I don't see it being a huge hammering. Whereas if if a team turn on a Gaelic football, you're beaten by six. Like they quantify that as being an enormous hammering, but. I just see coming down the last 15, 10, uh, 10 or 15 minutes that maybe Limerick will just have that small bit more and that bit more of experience, a bit more cuteness, a bit more flow to their play at the moment. Um, like Kilkenny will have to be really efficient with their shots and with getting their scores, which they've shown in stages and in bouts that, that are well capable of doing it. But then we've also seen stages where you know Kilkenny will go away from the game going, you know, we still we're still working to get to where we want to be. And that's the thing. It's not a negative thing that I think where Kilkenny are at. They're still building. And as I was saying, they're still building under Derek Ling. We're seeing lots of players in different positions. We're seeing players coming back. We're seeing young players being introduced. So there's lots of things there, whereas you don't have that with the Limerick team, and that counts for a lot. So that's just the way I see it going. I think Kenny will, will will really go at Limerick, and and you know they won't be caught by the day that's in it. I just see that the last 10, 15 minutes in an enormous battle that Limerick will know how to close out that match because they're just that team. And if it clo- closing it out by getting that two scores, bringing it out to possibly six points, you know. So speaking with my head at the moment, and I kind of would rather. Sounds like a funny thing. I'd nearly rather if Kenny are still building at the moment because there's such a long way to go this year that if that means going out and losing by four or five points at the weekend, whatever it is, but that they're building and they're going to, you know, really take a scalp off Limerick later in the championship. Well, I think any Kilkenny supporter would take your, take your hand off for that. Yeah. Uh, I know we've got loads of questions to answer and I know Scale has put 11 different drafts of his team to beat Limerick <laughs> together so we will get yeah. to that in a moment like I don't I don't like these questions because I, I just know like it's I, like look like, before I came on the pod lad, I have three different notepads and I don't know which <laughs> is my actual team <laughs> so, which I is your I most have, important notepad it has to be in that one well I have like I literally have look, look at all the paper like, look at all the paper I have it's just <laughs> Oh, how much is this gnawed away at your week because we may as well do this now I was going to say let's go to the Division 2A final and offer your back but we can wait until after we do our team to beat Limerick because I well, know I it's been eating you up I won't let you guys. I have a club mate of mine a good friend is going away right today and he was he said come down to meet us at, at 4 o'clock I, I sat down today <laughs> I sat down today at 12 and I, I couldn't leave the place until I got this team right and before I knew it it was fucking 6 o'clock yeah I'm all day at these, these teams and I'm watching the games and I'm watching the teams and I'm watching the games. I tell you, I started this morning. I said, I was having a cup of coffee this morning. So I'm going to start the two teams and I rattled out the 15 to beat Limerick. So obviously we haven't said it yet, but we also have our 15 Sunday game to do as well. But rattled out my 15, I went, geez, that's a good team. And I'm looking at the page I wrote it on now and I'd say five of the players off it are gone by the time this evening came around. Like I went off, did a few jobs. I was down to town. I went, geez, actually, you know, that's, uh, I don't know about him or I could move him here. But, so, yeah, sure. It's not, see, it's not simple. Are we? Are we going? Are we going straight into it? Are we? Are we? I think, we, I think we have to. The people can wait no more. This was electric ditty <laughs> on Insta last week. For anyone who missed the pod, and for whatever reason, you're just joining us in episode nine as opposed to episode eight. Uh, the question that electric ditty asked was: team from the best of the rest to beat Limerick. 
and we kind of danced around it a little bit last week because we were bloody nearly two mm. hours into the podcast and I needed to go to the match. And we said, right, let's uh, put this on ice. We'll go have a quick think about it and we'll come back with the teams. I didn't expect Scale to message. I think it was on like Wednesday and say, I've already gone through three different versions of this date. So I knew <laughs> this was going to be good. That was Wednesday, yeah. <sighs> so right, given mm. that Scale has put in all the work with 11 different variations before he got to his final team, the floor is yours to start with Scale for your 15. Right. No, I have a board, but you have to give me time to explain. Okay. I, I don't mind. If the, as I said, the floor is yours. Well, explain whatever yeah. nuances you need, explain them through. And, and there's a method to my madness. All Murphy's in goals, okay? Correct. Uh, Owen O'Donnell is cornerback. Okay. Right. Now, D- Murph, you're allowed to make it, right? He's injured. He didn't make it. I couldn't make my team up. <laughs> uh, Your team Dahi is Bur- already. Go Dahi on. Burke is number three. <clears throat> right. Kieran Dice is number four. I'll come to that, okay? I'll come to that, right? <laughs> Interesting. Tyke de Burke is five. Ronan Maher is six. And Joseph Cooney is seven. I'll come to them. Noel McGrath is eight. Carl Mannion is nine. Tony Kelly is ten. TJ Reid is eleven. <laughs> I'm getting to the good the good lad. Adrian Murden is, is twelve. Uh, Owen Cordy is thirteen. Johnny Glynn is fourteen. Right? Okay. Ah, Jesus. Ah, no, 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 no. Let me explain. Johnny Glynn is fourteen, right? Uh, Connor Whelan is fifteen, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you said my team was biased <laughs> no 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 hold on a second I have to explain fairness New York is represented there well done their the rules right the rules stipulated that actually yes Murph New York is represented New York well done fair play to you yeah. this isn't this isn't them coming home tomorrow and playing on Tuesday right this is with a bit of time a tour okay. uh, I marked Johnny Glynn and I got hands up I'll still say he's one of the toughest fellas I've ever marked great hurler but go on fire away I, I, I honestly thought this would have to come from teams who are playing the championship go on anyway <laughs> But the, the, see, <clears throat> the rule wasn't stipulated. He, he no, just said that the rest of Ireland, right? And I know he's not, he's in America. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but he, he'll come home at some stage, right? Could yeah, I see so Cullen in Mike, the other corner? Why you Michael Cousin in the corner of the box? Yeah. <laughs> he was a big man. <laughs> we like, I hit him a shoulder one day, right? And I swear to God, I'm still looking for my collarbone. I'm still looking for my collarbone. He was a behemoth, that lad. Johnny Lynn. Yeah, well, like, see, like, Johnny Lynn. Johnny Lynn and Johnny Glynn, as a fairness, is, is, a, is a terribly difficult proposition for anybody, isn't it? Yes. So I'm just trying to give a bit of, I'm trying to give another dimension to the game, right? So if he's at 14, we can go along. Cody and Wheel on the, on the, on the corners and, T, and Tony Kelly and Edgy Mullen, we can run it and we can go short. No bother. We've all bases covered here, that's. And I've Kieran Jice then to go up Glenn's hole. Yeah. That's what I have to okay, share. You have, you have Kieran Dice for a man-marking job there, is I have it? Kieran Dice for, for, for Ghislaine. I have uh, Dahi Burke and Owen Donnell then to go between Flanagan and Casey between them. I'd say, right, let's get after them. Okay. So Rona Maher is marking Hegarty. Rona Maher? No, I have Joseph Cooney on Hegarty. Okay. Rona Maher is where? At six. Then draft-back. Joseph Cooney could do it. And Tiger Burke problem. is wing-back. Okay. Great, yeah. Okay. yeah. I have him staying stay, stay with Morrissey. The tricky one was the midfielders. <laughs> wasn't the full forward no <laughs> not at like okay I won't it was an awful ball I had Frank was... Cummins inside in the middle of the field there now yeah I had Joseph Cooney Senior um, <laughs> but I tell you I had uh, I had Ozzy Gleeson and I took him out yeah I uh, yeah. where were you going to play Ozzy huh? midfield I said Jason could get right. him to <laughs> you didn't have over team Dizzle lads getting sent off and everything no I tell you in my first couple of teams right so in the first team over here right I had Ozzy in at eight. 
I actually had Norman Gray had left. And you looked at that and you said he could get sent off. Yeah, I said, no, no. If this and Willow happens, Dunahoo there now could get sent off. Yeah, I said, this, this could happen. I said, the throwing. I said, you could have you could have a clear in Waterford where you have looking Colin Lynch pun like mad. This could be a throwing job, red card. Colin Lynch wasn't expecting to get a Lynch in here. So <laughs> Michael Cousin, Johnny Vin, Colin Lynch. Johnny Vilkin didn't. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, yeah. I know, Joseph Cooney Sr. Uh, I'm feeling better about my team now, thank God. Was, That's why I, when these teams come up, I actually get, oh God. See, Scott, that's the beauty of you now. I was there going and said, he's way more analytical than I am and he'll break this down and he'll make a show of me pulling players out. But then I forgot about the, your Jekyll side of you where it's like, <laughs> your the romance comes in <laughs> and you're just going to want to kill lads. So, that's good. Happy day. <laughs> I, I'm giving you points for originality there is no way Johnny Glynn was going to make it into any team I was thinking about but there you go I'm, swe- I'm actually sweating here <laughs> Johnny Glynn like uh, he's oh, so good shit. in the high ball like, like he's no fucking one, there's no one doubt me like, Johnny Glynn is so good in the high ball he'd fucking catch a fucking airplane so he would <laughs> so good it's no wonder he's good in the high ball he's over on the Empire State Building every day living in New York <laughs> How many years is it since he's hurled inter-county hurling, by the way? Uh, I, I think 18 was the best year. Oh, yeah. Sweating. Or 19. I don't even think it was 19. I think it was 18, yeah. No, here, I'll, in terms of conditions, I'll hold my hands up. He was one of the toughest lads I ever marked. But he, was, he was actually great for that's Mark, because he, you'd be black and blue after him. And I always said, black and blue after him, but you'd always shake hands and you'd be nearly laughing at each other. An absolute gentleman. Yeah. Gent. A gentleman yeah. giant, yeah. He's the nicest fellow you'd meet, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And by God, when he's on the pitch, he he oh like he couldn't nettles. When we when Just, we played when we played G up in um Tullamore, remember the remember the year, what was it, that 2014, I think it was, where the draw. The draw. I think he came on that day and he caused me a bit of butter. Whoever changed around, he came on me and a bit of size, and we were out around wing for, he was wing forward, I was wing back, just marking each other. And he got the better of me for the second half of that. I, I think it was that game. And the following week then, I remember I was like, I have to win a ball on this fella now straight away because like, you know, he did win the second half on me and I caught the first ball and I popped it off to Parik Welch and Parik hit it into TJ and TJ scored a goal. And I remember going to myself, like a lot hinged on me winning that ball over Johnny Glynn because he, he'd mentally, he'd beat you like, you know, yeah. once he starts catching balls and running at you, he would say, you know, it was some experience. He's like a swimmer, Murph. His, his wingspan is longer yeah. than his height. Oh, cool, Do you yeah. mean? So yeah. like he's six five and his wingspan and his arms out is is longer. Yeah. Like I remember after that game, then he, like after he came up to two, he went laughing. He shook hands and was like, uh, "I said fair play to you, you know, best of luck or whatever." And then he he was like, "Jez, brilliant, fair play to you, you know, the whole lot." Like you know, very nice fella, very nice. Yeah, fella. grateful <laughs> forward. <laughs> so go on. who's next? Lizzie? You've, you've laughed enough at me. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for my <laughs> chance. Anyway. I'm half expecting Eddie Carey uh, to be on. That was good. That was good. I I don't I don't even have to explain my lads anymore now at that rate. But anyway. So, <clears throat> right, starting strong with Kenny lads, all right, but anyways, bear with me. Right, so I'm going Murph, so Scruff in the goal, Owen Murphy, mm-hmm. Mikey Butler, Hugh Lawler, Owen O'Donnell. Well, put that one down in the chart for the Mikey Butler mentions for the season. You have Hugh Lawler, how did I work? I do, bear with me now. I knew I knew it. I was going to write it down so I knew he jumped. He better be at six. He better be at six or it'll be nice. Go on. Bear, he's, bear he's, going, he's going for combinations here, Skell. Yeah. I'm with going beating Limerick and the, these are my 15, right? Podrick Welsh, Dahi Burke, Ronan Maher. Save yourself to it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I was looking at it going, he's going to kill me now for Dahi Burke. And I knew you jump. I knew you jumped to go and you wouldn't have patience to go, no. oh yeah, he, he, yeah. He, maybe he has him in the wing. In the yeah, I'm expecting JJ and Jackie to play as well. They're not. <laughs> the way you're, going. you're the one. 
that reached into the vault there, dusted the cobwebs off Johnny Lynn and fucked him in full form. Poor Johnny, turn your boots, buddy. <laughs> and you had a nick, you had a nick to say it. JJ and Jackie. Anyway, right. Baldrick Welsh, Dahi Burke, Ronan Maher. Midfield, Adrian Mullen, Jamie Barron. Mm-hmm. Connor Cooney, Tony Kelly, Owen Cody. Connor Whelan, TJ and Shane O'Donnell. Interesting. Shane O'Donnell, who didn't make your all-star team last year, gets in here. He didn't. And you know what, right? Here are the terms and conditions of my one. Yeah. I had Tony Kelly at midfield and I had Jamie Barron. And then I put Adrian Mullen out there. And I was like, it was niggling with me not having Jamie Barron. Like, Jamie Barron was in the top three hurlers when, you know, under Liam Cal, when Watford were going well. And the ground he covers, you're going to have to cover ground. Give me your and forwards again there, Mark. Connor Cooney, Tony Kelly, Owen Cody. Connor Whelan, TJ, and Shane O'Donnell. Okay, now first I had of all, I look like an absolute prick. I didn't bring Connor Cooney. <laughs> I was surprised. I was looking at the stats, right? So Connor Cooney, in 48 his games he's played, he has 3,378. So he has 332. Wait, no, is that right there? Yeah, I think he's 332. Basically, points is what he scored. Now, bear in mind, he wasn't on the freeze for a long time either because Canning yeah, was, was, was on the freeze. That's, that's enormous scoring. And then you have huge physicality there as well. And like, he's been player of the week, I think one of the weeks even in the league. Do you know, he's been really good. <laughs> like you put Johnny Lynn in ahead of Connor Cooney. I'm sorry to just keep going back to this now, but anyway. Um, was something? Well. My team, about, my team about your team. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Um, who else? Right, so do you know who actually was a tough one there now? Shane O'Donnell. Not for the reason that was tough, put him in. But I was yeah. looking at Shane O'Donnell, Desi Hutchinson, or Patrick Horgan. Desi Hutchinson, I was there going like he'd there like he'd create savage space for Conor Whelan and TJ there. Like I mean, they have the physicality to call him ball and if Desi Hutchinson. But I just think Shane O'Donnell could drift out into that half forward line midfield area and come out with reams of ball, you know. And he can provide that other element as well. Whereas I think if Desi goes too far away from the goal. Potentially, he doesn't have he doesn't provide as much as Shane O'Donnell does there. So, are your corner forwards, Murph, and same for you, Skell? Is part of this about trying to pin back Nash and Finn to an extent as well? What I've been looking at there is athleticism as well, power and athleticism. Yeah, yeah. and you're and, and, you're having two boys yeah. that are going to occupy the corner square there, and one of them at times drifting out into the half forward line. And I think any three of those boys can do it. Yeah. Um, and I think if you have like Connor Heal and TJ there, physically they won't get out muscled. Like yeah. they're not going to win every ball. But they'll be excellent. And like I just look back at the likes of Shane O'Donnell in 2018 against Galway, like the goalie score. Shane O'Donnell could just create something and just be incredible. Even last year against Kilkenny, when Clare didn't hurl too well, Shane O'Donnell got four points in play. You know, he just still kind of goes on. And I think it's the fact that he's a bit unorthodox in what he does. Like he doesn't really play by the rule books. He just drifts. And that element of he could pop up anywhere and that he's he's quite calm in the ball and then could change direction and just comes at you. Like he made the Galway backline that day look like they were just confused. They didn't know what was after happening. So I think that element of just creativity in the full forward line mixed with, you know what you're getting out of TJ and Conor Whelan. I think yeah, it's, it's a fair statement. Yeah. I know your confidence scale about your team and a little bit less confident about Murph's team, but is the scary part about all this that I actually probably would fancy Limerick to take either of these on? That's not great now, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a bit worrisome to be fair. I know, like, I mean, there's obviously ridiculous talent there and this is like the Lions argument you were having last week is how long would these players yeah. need to come familiar with each other and whatever else. But, like, even taking a man for man, Limerick will give either of those two best selections a good rattle. Well, of course, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a compliment to them. Like, it's because a, really... as a collective, they're unreal strong. As yeah. a collective. Yeah. 
Oh no, absolutely, they would. You know, uh, and I think the idea that we even had to come up with this idea, or that one of the one of the listeners did, is already uh, an indication enough as to where Limerick are. You know, but uh, it's interesting though because it's actually great when you do take Limerick out of it. It's a really interesting team because if you put Limerick into that, you don't. It's not as enjoyable because like there's lads who are just nailed down there. You know, and you miss out on so many great players. It nearly actually becomes an impossible task when you add Limerick into that. Uh, who are the Limerick players, Murph, that you wouldn't be able to leave out then? Ah, oh, Jesus. Right. Nail down that you couldn't leave out. This, is, could, going, this is going to cause for us to debate it. Well, I, yeah. did, here, I, I didn't mean to do that, but this is why we want oh, to talk. These are, you know... I couldn't leave out. Right. How many? Just We may... we may, Or we just across the board, you couldn't leave them out. Yeah. Yeah, across the board. Okay, across the board. I don't think you can leave out... Sean Finn, Barry Nash, uh, Dermot Burns. Tell lots of the All Ireland selectors last year, but go on. What? Well, they had to leave one of the two cornerbacks out last year to get Mikey Butler in, didn't they? Right. Yeah, but that's 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 as well as different. Year. That's an all. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's Based Mike, on the year, exactly. They had. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Mikey but, Butler. Mikey Butler. It is Mikey Butler. Yeah, put Mikey, I put Mikey Butler in centre forward. That's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, so I go on right. Nine. For me, Ten, time Sean, Sean Finn, Barry Nash, Dermot Burns. Burns um, Hegarty Lynch Hegarty Lynch it's like even uh, Tom Morris yeah Gillan yeah you have to leave Gillan in like I I think when Gillan is there in that full forward line you have to take for me you'd have to take Shane O'Donnell or Connor Whelan out so yeah Gillan is nailed on and do you know what's a tough one? The last one I'd say as well, that's for me would be very tough. Like I think Tom Morrissey is excellent. Like, yeah. uh, like and very, unsung hero. If there is an unsung hero, I think uh, of, of that Limerick team. Hello? Yeah, Ky- come on. Kyle Hayes? No. Hello? If I'm being... <laughs> <laughs> Anybody there? <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to just be trying to be as, as cutthroat as I can. Like, well, I'll cut the throat for you. Go on. I have Nicky, Nicky instead of Murphy. Of course you do. I was I going to say there was no way you were going to say that. that. You don't have to say that, but go on. Anyway, Nicky Quaid is in there. He's up on your mantelpiece at home beside your wedding photo. Go on. Next one. Like, okay. <laughs> Seems like I can't get time to justify that. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Sean Finn. Go on, uh, yeah. I agree with Barry Nash. Yeah, I've been checking out for my two guys here. Um, I, agree with, I agree with Jim Burns. I, have, I put in Kyle Hayes. Yeah, okay. um, I we'd back to scale your team, yeah? Yeah, I agree with Hegarty, Lynch, and I agree with Glenn too, I'm afraid. Yeah. So what we're saying is they've one, two, three. They've four, half five. the team. If you were picking from, if you were like a manager tomorrow who was a Space Jam situation and you were going off to play the Aliens, yeah. you'd be picking half the Limerick team and you would probably feel you couldn't drop them. Yeah, fair yeah. enough, yeah. With everyone available, even if Johnny Glynn was back. Even with, like, even with... Johnny Lynn. Lads, you're take laughing it, at that. Take, you're take laughing it out, at that. Take right. it out of cryogenic freezing. Even with... <laughs> what, what was that film that Sylvester Stallone, the unfrozen after like a thousand yeah, was, years? Yeah, that was like the, in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. If Johnny Lynn came home from the boats tomorrow morning, there'd be no laughing. Someone in, someone in Galway needs to find oh, a job for him that's, that's my main takeaway from this he was actually time. involved with New York last year with the football team when we played him mm. in Crow Park was he's been field before wasn't he I don't know I he think he's, he's, his dad has a football background came from football yeah. country I think he was midfield for New York the year previous although I'm open to correction interesting yeah. was he a selector or a coach or something Murphy what was he doing 
Yeah, he was. I think he was a selector. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so chatting to him after the game, all right, yeah. He was the least bruised I'd ever been after chatting to Johnny Glynn pro Mark. Maybe Johnny Glynn, boy. There are a load of other questions. I'm going to I, save the other 15 because we don't have Can I just throw in one thing, right? On, I, I on, think there now, by the time the listeners hear this podcast, I think you just throw out tonight or tomorrow. Hmm. If listeners can guess the one player that's mentioned the most this week in the Hurling Pod, we'll give them, some, we'll come to a house, their house and do a show from their house because they're not going to guess it. They're not going to guess that Johnny Lynn is the most named, <laughs> name dropped hurler in this show tonight in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to drop. Two, four, six. <laughs> Mikey Butler. You've mentioned his name 11, tw- sorry, that's 12 times now. You've mentioned his name 12 times since the start of the podcast this year. You mentioned um, Johnny Glynn 27 times. At least. No, because it was I relevant. Am. It was relevant. It was not relevant. <laughs> He's only 30, He's only 30. Do you know what I mean? Nobody. Anyway. He's not even 30 until the of the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the people go, like, oh. This, this podcast has gone into strange new directions and I can only praise it for doing so. You've mentioned yeah. Johnny Cena and Johnny Lynn. Yeah, has he, has he texted you back yet? That's obviously a no. That's a no. He hasn't read the message. I know what, I know what he said. He's, he's, he looked he's at, at his, his phone. phone. He's looked at his phone and said, oh, can't be arsed. I've spent enough time with him in Port Leash on Saturday so <laughs> I was thinking. Yeah. Just fair. Oh, that was funny yesterday. Oh, right. Anyway. Do, I, do I ask you why it was funny yesterday or do I? Uh, because I just, um, <clears throat> Aaron Island's got a 21. I'm going to say it anyways. And mm. like at the time of the game, we we're against the breeze, a couple of points up and probably the safest option was to put it over the bar. And so JC tells Aaron to put the, so points the finger, put it up, put it over the bar. And then Aaron buries it in the net. <laughs> and he sees Joe shaking the head. <laughs> but he, as I said to him, he was as bad himself. He used to, he used to rock on a couple of 21s himself when, when, when he shouldn't have, and he scored them. Oh, so yeah. don't hold back natural talent. And was, was Aaron Nyland after the game praised for his ingenuity by going for goal, or did Cannon go, you do what I tell you next? Time? Well, he was praised by me anyway, but if he missed it, he'd be in, he'd be in trouble for that reason. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Right. It was a nice little contrast, Skell, because we were reading mean tweets and mean comments to you last week. And uh, like a few people, I think it was Jim Butler who messaged us during the week and he said that he burst himself laughing, listened to you, having to listen to mean tweets. There were some actual really nice comments last week. So I felt I should highlight them this time around. Uh, Mark Dray, top analysis from both ex-players, uh, done in such good humour from all the slagging. The show is fun to listen to. Yeah. Nice to hear. Nice to hear good stuff. And Fonz one one four, who we joked with Skell himself, said Skell is by far the best hurling analyst in the game. His all for this Limerick team and clearly explaining in detail how they are so good is great to listen to. That's that's yeah. a lovely, refreshing comment, Skell. After what was said about you last week. Thanks, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> when she hears all the f bombs you dropped earlier on in the podcast, going to be in trouble again. He just texts back. Well, he simply said that the lads in college is better. He wouldn't do it. That was it. They wouldn't have seen uh, it. Uh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I won't mention names. No, that's more than yeah. fair enough. I was intrigued by it. Like, this fair is enough, great. Yeah. We've got a direct line to, to Canning to find out. There you are now, yeah. Um, okay. Some of the other comments. Some and, goal, uh, too, in fairness, says. Can we, just, can we just say? That was a good goal, yeah. Some goal. Like, you never goal. see JJ caught for pace. Like, and, and they always used to say, with Canning, he, he was slow. Canning was not slow. Canning was mm. deceptively quick. You know, yeah. And he got away from JJ that day and stuck it. Savage. 
Do you remember the one scale at Crow Park that he pulls out of the sky and just almost like in the next couple of strides he just flashes the ball across goal and into the so, top corner? So, does against us, yeah. yeah. That, the one where he, he's, that's, to me, you're 15. right, and I know you say what you want, that's the best goal I've ever seen in mm. terms of difficulty. Like, if, you know, you see these freaking divers coming off and they hold up the charts for difficulty, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a fucking 9.9, like, you know, if, to lose your complete bearings, do a 360 and stick it past one of the best goalies ever. Yeah. Sick. Like, I know Murphy might agree he'd pick some DJ goal or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Murphy, that's the best goal you've ever seen. Ah, no. Right. Sorry, no. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Tangents are what we're all about. Go on. Yeah. Best goal I've ever seen off the top of my head. Right. At least it was Kenning's. Uh, that, was, that was a really good goal. Yeah. Um, is it the best one I've ever seen? I don't know. Uh, like, even... Austin Leeson's goal against Austin in 2016 in Turles was an exceptional goal. That was really good. Like, I mean, that was the one he caught it around midfield because I remember the jump. I was waiting for the break. Next thing he jumped and he was half a foot higher than everybody. Landed and from an awkward angle stuck it. That was that was good. I was Richie Hogan's 2011. I always thought it was a brilliant goal. That was the one hand-passed by Eddie Brennan. Controlled it, touches it. Yeah, and it's like top corner. It's the fact that it hit top corner. That was a good one. Just after half time. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I think it was. I think that could have been ten minutes ago, fifteen minutes ago, about fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me think. I'll think of one, one more now, fairly neutral one. Let me think. Jane O'Donnell's goal against Galway, that was eighteen. Mentioned it earlier. That was a great goal. I have to say, it, didn't you? I did. Why did like? Are you on goal? Yeah. Why did you, like? <laughs> why did you have to like? Uh, sorry, I didn't actually. I did. I didn't actually. I was you admired. knew well. Yeah, yeah. You, you, well. you know, my only memory of a Galway player there was just Dahi Burke kind of. Hanging off, yeah, yeah, hanging off from that. Like, and Shane Donald didn't go down. I didn't actually. If you told me Callum was on goal that day, I would have, would have believed you. I didn't, because like there was nothing that could be done. That's a compliment. I did not expect him. I did not expect him to go for goal that day. I didn't expect him to keep going. We picked the ball. We had, we had off memory. We had three lads cover, Mm. and he bet one with a turn, ran through another lad, and then got through another fella, and then put under me. Like Mm. savage goal. But he was in hot form that year. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Before we get to the other questions, by the way, uh, there were some very nice comments from YouTube, so I had a quick look on them. And I apologize for how late the YouTube went up this week, but I actually forgot my laptop going to work on Wednesday. Uh, Sienna O'Dwyer says, Love Scale, very funny. Uh, Stockroom Tim, who's a regular watcher on the live chat as well on the YouTube, uh, which will be Monday this week, I promise. Uh, Will, you look way, t- look, you took way too much joy in reading those comments to Scale. He took it on the chin, in fairness. And Pwell74 said, I've seen Limerick train on a few occasions. One drill they keep doing is four by four inside a small square. They just keep possession under pressure continually. Passes the hand on the move over different distances in their whole game. Sounds very easy, but needs constant practice. That sounds a bit like uh, peak mm. Barcelona doing their rondos, Murph. Uh, making sure that every stick pass and every hand pass actually gets to hand and they don't drop it as they're doing these four by four things. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it was actually Anthony Nash made a point there um, about two weeks ago on Off the Ball. And he was just saying that, you know, oftentimes we can get, I suppose, a bit dazzled or distracted by all the other stuff to do, the really skillful stuff. But like, it's the basics, the fact that their ball to hand is so good. And even as well, if you look at how many times they just hold a hurl with one hand, now it's not something you try and teach a youngster. But when you're at that level and you have that level of skill, you know, have the hurl really shortened down and they're just slapping it almost like a tennis racket just to each other and moving like uh, Keen Lynch popped the ball off to Peter Casey in 
the last game for Peter Casey to get a score. Like, and it was just, you know, seamless. And if you're able to do that, you're not going to get caught up as much. But I do, I remember seeing him playing in Kilkenny there a few years ago in the league. And that was it. It was just this in touch tight to each other and moving the ball. And if you move the ball in those small situations, well, when you're given more space, it's no problem whatsoever. So I can understand the method behind why they put so much pressure on each other to be in these tiny spaces but to still move the ball at a really good level. It's just, it's, it is one of the, one of the, not secrets, but one of the reasons that they're better than every other team at the moment is because they can move the ball in those tight spaces. So that's where we're going to leave the questions for the main pod for this week, because there were multiple questions which then spiral into James Skell tangents on the back of the questions that we were asking, which I'm going to save for the bonus pod, which will be available in the hurling pod feed exclusively if you're subscribed or listening through the hurling pod feed wherever you get your podcast from there's another 20 possibly even 25 minutes of questions which we're going to squeeze in uh, to that pod including the guys picking their best team of sunday game panelists over the last 25 years so that'll be available wednesday morning at 10 a.m we re-pick up the conversation here on the back of one that we're having about player burnout particularly around the under-20 championships crisscrossing at the moment with the end of the National League and also with the start of the lower-tier championship competitions from next weekend and some of the decisions that management may well have. We talked about the Offaly under-20 captain Charlie Mitchell, who played against Westmeath in Offaly's win on Saturday and then had a big impact from the bench in the game on Sunday, which was the Division 2A league final, where Offaly came out three-point winners against Kildare. Invariably, that conversation then moved on to player burnout because Offaly are going to play eight weekends in a row because of their success in 2A and they face a six-day turnaround uh, coming into their opening round match in the Joe McDonough Cup against Leash next week. So we pick up the conversation here where I'm talking about Keelan Kiley's comments after the game in O'More Park on Sunday afternoon. Keelan Kiley, who got banned the match today in Port Leash, was basically talking about this and he said they played consecutively five must-win games in back-to-back weeks now and they're facing into three weeks in a row before the slight break in the Joe McDonough. They've already picked up three season-ending injuries during that period. And he was mm-hmm. saying that like the workload on the players, they're going to have to just deal with it and go and play next week. But to even have a situation where you play in a league final that you have to win because of the promotion situation and then turn around in six days' time to play against your biggest rivals in the Joe McDonough, is a terrible workload on players. This was not what the split season was meant to be about. But it's mad, see, and probably if you're looking at what's the main reasoning behind the twenties being, I suppose, sheltered from the senior. It's burnout, isn't it? I would think so. Yeah, because yeah, these are also guys who are going to be elite players with their either their school if they're eighteen or nineteen, or with the college team, probably. Yeah, so like college is over, schools are over. You're heading into the teeth now of both championships. Um, what's the difference, like, for a twenty-year-old versus a twenty-one-year-old? There's none. You know, if, you're, if you're playing six weeks in a row, there's no difference. So there's no logic in whatsoever. That rule should be scrapped, to be honest. Like if the young fella, and I guarantee the young lad himself, and it happened going last year against Kilkenny, where two, in the twenty 20s, two of our best players were used in the senior before we played Kilkenny in the twenty 20s and, you know, potentially cost us. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they were that influential, if you like. So I think it's just a shit rule. Get rid of it. It's fine. The lads want to play themselves. Yeah. I just wonder as well whether 20s couldn't find a slot somewhere maybe a bit later on in the year. I'm not like, again, this is one of these things where we've got issues, but not necessarily solutions. But if it could be somewhere where it's not been, especially now there's group stages coming into these competitions, they're not straight knockout. Mm-hmm. And then the football even is on at the moment and you've got first round of the championships next week. There's just so much overlapping games at the moment. It's very mm-hmm. difficult on on players. So I do feel for them. Um, 
Paul Lawler uh, also DM me. And the reason he DM me is because he said, uh, this question is far too long for an Instagram box. He said, I know the lads played with some of the best at the dark arts, but you can take this first, Murph. Is the role of the bastard, and he says in the nicest possible way, gone now, given media and social media scrutiny? So I suppose the point would be that if there was someone who was uh, particularly clever in his bastardry, chances are he'd be ripped (laughs) apart online, and especially with the videos. Even on the live video last week, there was a back and forth going on between two or three people in the YouTube, and they were talking about, you highlighted this online, and one other guy who put a clip up last week, so it was like Tynan versus O'Donoghue, and one was trying to get one banned, and the other one was like, well, if you're going to get Will Will O'Donoghue banned, I'm going to get Alan Tynan banned, and this kind of thing goes on. So Mm. I presume, like, if you're going to be caught with the multiple camera angles and everything right now, it's probably difficult to be a bastard of the dark arts um but yeah the question would be is it still possible for someone like that given the way things have changed uh i don't think so i think it's at a very diluted level like if you go back and think about some of the players not that i would, would never have called them bastards but uh <laughs> <laughs> I would. well maybe if they're playing against me but uh there's lots of things that play into this like for example there's lots of tackles now that aren't acceptable now that were acceptable 20 years ago. And if you saw it now, it'd be on the RT news. And the case in point, if the referee threw in a ball and that Clare and Tipperary pulling that happened with Colin Lynch and the boys, like there'd be news talk tomorrow morning. Pat Kenny would be, he'd be talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think it's one of the greatest. I love it. I remember when I used to see that and you'd be pumped as a young fellow watching that and tell you Colin Lynch, as soon as you've seen Colin Lynch and Ali Baker and these boys going in and said, this is going to be carnage. Nobody wearing a helmet. Nobody got split, but so you you bring that forward now. Imagine referee threw the ball there tomorrow. Limerick are playing Clare, for example, and Willow Donahue starts pulling like that. Lads will want him locked up. So what's acceptable now compared to back then is different again. And I would agree with you. Retrospective bans, sure, Jesus, retrospective bans now compared to they didn't exist what fifteen years ago. And slowly through the years, different rules have been brought in. Like I remember Brian had often come into us. There was a different one every year. Third man in. If you come in and your shoulder fell out from behind, the two lads are around, and I come in and shoulder skeleton from behind, I'm gone. So, right, so yeah. yeah, so that's where the bastard would come in before. Like he'd come flying in behind you. You better go. You better go because if I turn around, <laughs> I might catch you. But, <laughs> but like, do you know these sort of things? Uh, so I think, yeah, I do know what they're saying. The lads who are part of the dark arts, like the dark arts now would be very much pulling at a lad's jersey. Um, like you saw Mikey Breen there and Stephen Bennett there a few weeks ago and he kind of stepping on his ankles and stuff. But like you can't throw a butter to hurl now. Like that'll be, you'll be banned for games if you do that. So it's very hard, <laughs> to quote a night, very hard to be a bastard in the modern game. <laughs> Ask Gail about it there, you know. Go on, Scal. Talk about bastardry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about bastardry. Yeah, you actually, uh, actually speaking of it, because I know I saw that question. You sent it in earlier. Irlitanian was mentioned as one. That's not to say, like, I mean, that's not me quoting. That's Bo Lawler. <laughs> Scale took a yellow card for Irlitanian against us one, a few years ago. All in final 2012. Tanyan struck Richie Power with the hurl. And you got booked. I remember that. Do you remember you got booked? Red helmets. No, I went over. You were wearing yeah. a white jersey. He was wearing a maroon. Were you wearing yeah, a maroon scale? Is this what happened? What happened was... Um, Power scored a goal himself. Darkroom's coming through and he took a shot. And yeah, and then it's, it's, and I saved it. And Power got the rebound, is that right? Power got the rebound, yeah. Tanyan, himself and Tanyan jostled and Tanyan hit him with the hurl. Yeah. But, and you uh, got but I don't think he got him very good. But then Power went down and I, I, I went over just to help him up. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the ref didn't like the way I him up. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Now, did, did you help him upscale while maybe having some choice words while you were picking him up, or how did you help him up? Well, I didn't tickle him like. The fuck up like. Yeah. Now, one actually I will go back to as well. Not to be telling all the story, but one I will go back to is uh, there was a great one. My first All Ireland final, 2011. Uh, Noel Hickey and Owen Kelly were on each other and I remember it was the first few minutes and it was kind of very much I felt nearly like a tourist because I was looking around at like Tommy and Jackie and JJ like the lads I'd watched from Hill 16 but now we were in the middle of them but I remember Brendan Cummins was poking a ball out down on top of us and I was with John O'Brien and we were kind of in position he wouldn't. He wasn't going to get involved in a, a ball that was about to land but I could hear shouting and yelping coming from behind us the next thing I looked Owen Kelly was sprinting for the ball and Noel Hickey was just lashing him with the hurl, like just flicking him in the in the arse, in the ribs. And, and Owen Kelly was swinging back at Noel Hickey. And the two boys were just lashing each other the whole way out and calling each other this different things, like, you know, whatever you want to call it. But that was kind of dark arse that I say, if you saw it now, like, you know. I love that. But now all in good spirit. Yeah. Like the two boys were just tough as nails. Like no one, like Noel Hickey, infamously so tough. Owen Kelly was a, was a phenomenally tough player as well you know really hardy and would take that like you know but uh, I always remember that one just laughing at it going geez that's brilliant I love that middle of an Ireland final like middle of an Ireland final two boys baiting each other like asses going around the place <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to forget about your Sunday game 15s but before that Carl Mac 79 Limerick supporter again regular question maker on Instagram so your question's definitely getting in who is better DJ Kerry or Shefflin Paul, you have to pick one. Smiley face. So, Paul, you yeah. can go first. DJ or Shefflin? Yeah, I'm going to go with Henry. I just, if I, if I have to pick one. So, the context of that was growing up, like, for every young fellow in Kilkenny, it was DJ. Like, DJ was, and he couldn't move for the Black Coopers around Kilkenny. But then once I was around teenager, the reason I wear a green helmet is because of Henry. Like, when I was, could, could pick a colour of a helmet, my first helmet I could pick when I was about 12, up to then they were bought for me. And you had a yellow helmet, you had a whatever colour helmet. But uh, no, it was Henry. And even playing with him then, just seeing what he does and what he did and uh, very weaknesses. Could you pick weaknesses in his game? I don't think you could. Very hard to pick him in DJ as well. But look, yeah, I mean, what? 10 All-Irelands, 11 All-Stars. Hard to argue with Henry. Yeah. Get your notebooks ready because we'll get to that in a second. But Patrick Coleman on the YouTube said, Will, best luck to your Offaly team. It would be great to see them back at the top table, but I'm still hoping that Kildare can get up. I'm going to be deadly honest. I put a message into the WhatsApp group earlier on today, about nine minutes into the game. And I said, looks like Kildare going up. And then I had to go and do a quick check. The Kildare haven't played in Division 1 since the 1970s. It was all set for the story of that later on today. And then Offaly, remarkably, turned it around. Didn't go ahead until, I think it was 52 minutes into the game. Uh, they were 1-4 to a point down after nine minutes. If you're watching this on the Sunday game after the podcast today, have a look at Jerry Keegan's goal, which put them ahead. The game was on YouTube as well, so it should be uh, doing the rounds. Cracking goal. And you're just thinking, this Kildare team have got a physicality about them. They were creating chances. They were wrestling some frees at that point as well. James Burke was putting the frees over. And you're thinking, this is only going one way at that point in the game. And then Offaly managed to get a handle on Kildare as the first half went on. Again, this is a familiar story. I remember talking to you guys last week and saying, Kerry hit too many wides in the first half and it came back to haunt them. 
Similarly, Kildare had 11 wides in the entire game. They had eight of those wides in the first half, a lot of them from good scoring chances when they were on a roll. And then Offaly just started to slowly but surely get a grip in the game. It was 1-11 to 11 points at half time. made a few changes. Shane Dooley had a really good goal chance for Offaly before half time. Uh, tried to maybe be a little bit too clever. Uh, he had gone round Paddy McKenna, the Kildare goalkeeper, and it looked like he was just going to shorten his grip, hit it low. He tried to flick it back over him again, and it ended up going over the crossbar as opposed to under. And then awfully just in the second half, Charlie Mitchell, who I mentioned, the under-20 captain came on, was a really good focal point in their attack for the second half. When Offaly got in front with about 18, 90 minutes to go, it didn't look like they were going to be caught after that. And so it proved. Um, they only conceded um, a very small amount of chance in the second half. I thought Ben Keneally was excellent. Keelan Kiley got man of the match was uh, particularly excellent in the second half. And yet Kildare kind of eked away a little bit at the end. And there was blasting operations with the last puck of the ball, which is Paddy McKenna, their goalkeeper, came up to try and score when it was a three-point differential. Off the goalkeeper, Stephen Corcoran, uh, chased it down. It was a bit like the Nash penalty, you know, when guys were crazy enough to run out at a 21-yard free. He blocks the ball. And Stephen Corcoran then cleared... You were there, Skell, so you get an appreciation of how much pay, how much he got in this. It went over, you know, the apartments over on the far side from the dugouts. Yeah. It went over the apartment block, and I'm pretty sure it cleared the road as well. It was one of the longest pucks I've ever seen uh, from Stephen Corcoran, which brought the full-time whistle up. So off you're going back to Division 1, they've won Division 2A for the second time in three years. It's disappointing, Skell, for Kildare, because this was a golden opportunity, particularly <coughs> with the start that they got. But I think there was enough in that Kildare performance today and what they did going unbeaten throughout the group stage to think that Kildare can go well in the McDonough Cup. And I think they're going to go well in 2A again next season as well. Yeah, like you mentioned eight wides in the first half. Yeah. And like if they, if they convert half those, what they'll do now is they'll go back and they'll, they'll, they'll obviously rule the chances they missed and the what ifs, etc. And they'll focus on the wides and they'll look at that. But ultimately they've had a, it's a good season to date. Do you know what I mean? Uh, in, I think if David Herity was honest, did he think with 100% belief he was going to qualify up to Division 1? I don't, I don't know the man well enough to think, but I, I would find it maybe hard to say that with 100% he believed he would, especially with Offaly coming down. So I think like that would be a dream season scale if that Yeah, happened. I just, you know, I, I didn't know. Obviously, I'm not very, I'm not very close to that setup, but I, I didn't think, like, I would have given them, let's say, a 30 40% chance to get up. I thought Offaly were, admittedly, I thought they were guaranteed to go back up, you know, mm-hmm. with, the, with the numbers they have and the hurdles they have. And look, Proven right, <laughs> so so up they go. Um, but look, good season so far. But like Kildare, and we we said it numerous times, they've gained massive momentum, massive momentum. And yes, they look at it's a loss, and they have to accept it, etc. But ultimately, they've they've gained massive momentum into a very tough competition, which now they know that they can actually win. So there's proof in the pudding now. So they've gone through the league, they've had some, you know, a relatively good, good campaign, they'll say, and they go into the championship and say, right, we can actually win this. We can win this. You know, so so every game is improvement. I know they look at today, they lost, but they'll take positives out of the game today. They'll take a number of elements and say, right, we have to work on those. And then in a couple of weeks' time, or a couple of weeks' time, say, soon they'll, they'll, they'll have to improve. So I don't think all is lost to them and they're, they're giving a great shout. Yeah, the other thing as well, as I mentioned already, they're in tier two in the minor, but they're handing out some beatings in there. I think they're going to be strong enough next year, particularly to go up to the uh, minor tier one championship uh, within Leinster as well. If we look at what Nace have done, if we look at them winning All-Ireland Intermediate, competing well in the Leinster Senior last year, I think there's a feeling at the moment, Murph, that those boats are coming up for Kildare currently. Even if today is a bit of a setback, there's no doubt that things are moving in one direction for Kildare right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, you know, absolutely brilliant league for uh, for Kildare. And, and like you said, that game, if... 
And the other day, those those points go over and Kildare are, you know, home and hosed and out the gap. But, you know, even credit to Offaly there. Um, like, they closed out the game really well. Like it, it drifted there to two points at one stage, pushed it back out to three. And just, you know, they probably showed that small bit more experience um, closing out the game. Nevertheless, Kildare were still in with a shout. So, you know, I agree with Skettle there. I think they'll go away and they'll say, look, we can't, we can't expect to go up when we hit eight wides. Uh, at a really important time of the game like even those wides if they're spread out a little bit more they disappear into the game but it probably fed a small bit of belief into Offaly that you know you could sense the tension I've been part of those games where you strike a good few wides in a row and the tension creeps in and it nearly invokes a purple patch out of the opposition team so you know the fact that Kildare had all those opportunities and Offaly only went in a goal down at half time I think Galway or Offaly would have went in and just said, listen, lads, you know, we're in after probably not of hurling to our, our potential at all here in the first half. One puck of the ball is in it. Let's go out here. And they had the momentum then really after that. But um, look, I mean, without doubt, brilliant league for Kildare. Absolutely brilliant. Probably would have, you know, again, maybe speaking out of turn, probably would have taken your hand off at the start of the year if this is what you told them they were going to be within the puck of the ball of getting promoted, you know. So they've 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 raised the bar for themselves now, and I think they'll only build on this. Um, and hurling is strong up there. So look, no, it's 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 of no consolation to them tonight. But I think again, it will benefit them going forward. I send over one of my takes from during the game too. David Nally right now is the best sideline taker in the country uh, since Joe Canning retired from Intercounty. I think it's four games in a row that he's put over sideline cuts. He put one over to win the game away from home against Kerry. Uh, scored one against Kildare in the last round, got one against Kerry the last day and scored one again today and it was picture perfect uh, the way he put it over. Tony Kelly fans will possibly come for me on this one, but David Nally is as good with sidelines as Tony Kelly is right now. Uh, John Kelly, the Offaly manager, said afterwards as well, it's insane to be playing seven games in seven weeks, but we'll fight to the last man. There won't be any excuse about the schedule. And during that time, they've also lost uh, three players to season-ending injuries. So let the debate continue uh, on the schedule around that. But Offaly are going back to Division 1. So that's where we're going to leave the main pod, episode nine of season two of the Hurling Pod. All thanks to Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Championship and the Legends Tour Series at Croke Park. We'll be back on Wednesday with a bonus pod, which contains around about half an hour of questions that came in from various different sources on Twitter, on the Instagram, from the comments from last week. Lads are going to answer them and we will get to the Sunday game team that they've picked of the last 25 years too. And we also had some comments that came in just in the middle of us recording as well. So you'll get all that on Wednesday at 10 a.m. in audio form. If you can't wait and you want to watch the video and see the guys reacting to each other during some of the tangents that we had across the episode, you can do so on Monday night of this week. It's going up a little bit earlier than planned. It's going to be at 10 p.m. on Monday. You can watch the full episode, including those questions on our YouTube. If you do so, you might just leave us a like and some comments. It all helps with the YouTube algorithm. And also, wherever you pick up your podcasts, you might just give us a review if you're enjoying the pod as well. It all helps out. We'll speak to you next week when we'll be looking back on the Division 1 final between Limerick and Kilkenny. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship.